Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors. Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Suckett and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Brian and I, this is the second part of our dueling questions. Sometimes when I go over, I think, well, I'll just kick out the two weakest questions, but there really weren't. I thought each of the questions he had were worth sharing and... <laughs> I guess I always think my questions are pretty good, but I'm not sure the interviewee does, but I'm having a good time with it. So again, thanks, Brian, being a good sport. And here's the second part of the dueling questions. You've looked at the industry, and I don't think you've necessarily had rose-colored glasses, but I think you have a very positive view of lots of things. Are there any critical things that you have about the industry, not necessarily about me personally or my company, but just from your vantage point as an entrepreneur looking at the industry, at the hobby, wondering what's going on there or any criticisms or things you don't understand. Yeah. And maybe there's a two part question you could ask me back, but you're a smart guy and you are coming in an industry that's quirky. So what do you think? Yeah, it's extraordinarily quirky. In fact, I'm, I taught a class in the University of Cambridge back a few months ago and I was talking to my favorite professor there and I was like, I was like, the sports card hobby is so unique and quirky that someone needs to write an academic paper about this. And we're going to start analyzing it from uh, very numbers and data and who's in the hobby. I think so much money is in this hobby, but few people really have their heads wrapped around what's going on, who all the players are, how much stuff is out there, what things are worth, the value. There's so many aspects to it. I'm a very happy-go-lucky person, but also whenever I see a system of any kind of complexity, I'm always analyzing it to see about how it can be approved on, how it can be fixed. And 90% of what I want to fix are usually things of integrity and things of honesty, things of fairness. This is a very controversial thing. And a lot of people won't like me for saying this, but I would love to see an oversight committee in the future, for instance, grading, where you have so many different systems and every system says, no, trust ours. Ours is better than the next guy. And the other company says, no, trust ours. I must have seen 10 different stands at the national of new startups that were telling me we're better than the big guys because we're the honest guys. We're the fast guys. We're transparent. All these disjointed groups that can't agree with each other, that talk smack about each other. And I would like to see the hobby pulled together where the differentiation doesn't happen on who's more transparent or safer in their grading, but the differentiation that actually makes a company more successful than say another one is other kind of ancillary benefits that they can bring to the table. But grading as a whole, I appreciate it. I understand it. A lot of people think I'm very anti-grading because I've cracked out cards out of slabs and such. Uh, uh, the reason I'm actually cracking them out is so I can put them in my new displays, but I'm not actually anti-grading. I think there's a lot of benefit uh, to being able to say this card's authentic. This is not a counterfeit. Grading actually brings a certain level of integrity. And so I would like to see leaders from the major graders uh, with some of the hobby leaders plus come together, essentially uh, form an oversight board where we can all agree on certain standards. I think it's unacceptable that uh, somebody can be hired to be a grader the same day that they come in have a half hour training, boom, they're a grader. Like a couple of friends of mine that have become graders over the last many years, where I would like to see a proper training course that's a little bit higher level that maybe these graders are paid more. So it attracts maybe some uh, people for longevity. And I'm not knocking some of the senior graders because I think there's some guys that have been in the hobby their whole lives and are, do have that integrity. I just want to make sure there's a uniform kind of system where we can all agree on it so that an eight is an eight, uh, that sort of thing. So that's one thing. And the problem is that could easily happen in China. <laughs> yeah. 
But not, yeah. The oversight is the party. <laughs> the problem is in America, when you have these competing capitalism with the low barriers to entry, and people can make nebulous promises that are not backed up. I agree. It's just, I just don't know who's going to, uh, people have looked at me for decades. Why don't you be that guy? I really don't have that power. People are free to do things. Yeah. That are, the, the lack of regulation in the industry is for your Cambridge friends. There, there are at least three differentiators. One is this Wild West theory of everybody's doing everything and the customer, it's caveat emptor to the yeah. 10th power. But it's yeah. also an industry or a hobby where your inventory appreciates, which is very rare. And rarer than that is the other microeconomic rule is that when you increase prices, you increase demand. And that yeah. is bizarre. So who wouldn't like that? If you have cards, raise the price more people are interested in. If you don't sell it, it goes up in value. So you take your point about the grading. I just don't think people will come together voluntarily. They would only come together in a crisis. If there's or some crisis of confidence, they would come together. I sometimes think there's an overemphasis on the financial and the grading side where I've met kids on my travels, like some 14-year-old teenager that goes, oh, I have a terrible collection because I don't have a fancy, expensive card. Or like when I've cracked the cards out of slabs, people go, now the card isn't worth anything at all. And I'm like, no, it's still a Wayne Gretzky rookie, even if I've taken it out of the plastic. But people somehow think that the card actually only matters if it's been entered into a slab. And I think that's sad for the actual card because we were a hobby for 110 years before grading came along. And so I think some of those things of the first 110 years have been lost a little bit by being sleight of hand distracted where there's a massive cash business for that. But I would like to see more of the emphasis brought back to the actual card and making wow. people feel that they are not less of a person for not having a super valuable card. A lot of what you're saying is true, but people don't perceive it to be true because they haven't been educated or they haven't been around. And yeah. so I, I agree. If Fanatics really wants to 10X this hobby, which would be great, it's going to be because people understand the hobby. People don't spend a lot of money on things they don't understand. You're pointing out reasons for people to think twice, not just an impulse buy, but to consider, is this a good deal if it's slabbed or not slabbed, or if it's slabbed by this company instead of that company? You know what Rob Veris's nickname is? Cardfather. You know what mine is? No, I no. actually have two. I'll just reveal them here to you. One is the Guidefather. The Guidefather. I love that. And, and the other, guy. and the other, for what you're asking me to do, is the Gradefather. Yes. For starting BGS. <laughs> so there's some major grading companies with PSA being the volume leader for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they have any incentive to uh, collaborate. Uh, I, the book Coopetition. You compete where you must and you cooperate where you can uh, to make the pie bigger. And I think that's the spirit that we had with PSA and also SGC and others are coming on as we speak. As you said, they're proliferating at the yeah. national. But a, an educated hobbyist through content creation, such as you have, as I have, as many others have, is going to help people to think, well, you know what, instead of just taking somebody's word for it, get a second opinion. And frankly, if you don't have wisdom figures in your life, which also can be naysayers, people that don't just rubber stamp what you're going to do. If you're an entrepreneur and you go to your family and say, hey, I've got this great idea. What do you think? They're going to say, Brian, we love you. I'm sure it's a great idea. Okay? Yeah. But you need some friends in your life that say, Brian, you're a sharp guy, but I think this idea is not quite ripe. 
It needs Matt, to ripen a little people. bit more. You need somebody that's going to be able to tell you what you don't want to hear. Yep. And that's the same thing in the hobby. If you're around all these like-minded people that say, hey, that it's just going to the moon. Yeah. It's irrational exuberance. Yeah. And we had that. And now all of a sudden it's more of a mixed market. And so you're doing your part. I'm doing my part. If anybody comes to me and asks me to be the czar, I will say <laughs> the last guy that was a czar. Hey, we know what happened to him. Lost his head yeah, or whatever. At the National, I ran a fun experiment that really went viral. I spent the first day kind of walking around and I was like, wow, there are so many high status items here. Just millions upon millions of dollars worth of product. And the very best of every single thing I'd ever seen. And some of the dealers I had nice conversations with and other dealers, I just felt the passion that had disappeared many years ago. And there was a, some soulless kind of uh, nature to them. And so uh, on the second day when I was driving there, I just had this idea of, I wonder how hard it would be to find one of my favorite cards from when I was a kid, the 1986 Donruss Jose Canseco, what? a Virtually worthless card, but yeah, it's back. not worthless. It's, it was the, the card of a generation. I actually saw that. I saw that. Video. Yeah. And so I thought, it, again, you wove it into, you did an excellent job in front of the camera, behind the camera, whatever, because that was the card uh, 35 years ago. Yeah. And now baseball card hall of fame, that's a worthy candidate. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you could barely find it. In fact, I only found one. I had a couple of people text me later and say they saw one other that was slabbed. But I had so much fun with that. I was so worried. (laughs) Watching the video, I thought, poor Brian, he's going to come empty. (laughs) Because I was at that same show. I didn't see any 86 Consecos. And I thought, (laughs) how is he going to pull this rabbit out of a hat? But I think your stories have happy endings. Yeah, well, I'm always trying to find the joy of it. Show or a movie, I think it's going to be generally positive. Those are the kind of movies I want to go to. I can't help myself. It's just who I am. I try to enjoy those lighthearted moments and try to remind people why we all got into this, that it's called the hobby for a reason. And so, yeah, the goal is to bring some joy back into everything. That's what I feel like I've been my role within the industry currently is to just be a little bit of a contrarian, but also to just have fun, be lighthearted. You're, you're a people. smiling contrarian. Yeah. You're not a crotchety cruncher. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the thing. I don't have to do that. <laughs> I know people like that. And I think that's the ethos of a lot of successful social medias. People, I, in fact, now I only want to buy cards from people I like. I don't need more cards. Yeah. I've done the same with cars. I'll go to a dealership of a guy that I really like. and I'll spend the extra money to get that car from that dealer because that person's a good person. I like them. They've made me feel valued. And I do the same with cards. I'll, I'll go to card shops repeatedly. One of my favorite card shops is MVP Sports Cards in Laguna Hills, California. And I will go way out of my way to go and see the owners of that uh, store because they are kind people. They're good people. When I walk in, they know who I am and they usually give me some nice deal and we talk cards for a while. And yeah, that sort of thing. With your history in the hobby, do you ever get together with some of the old guards, some of the people that are the foundation? You said like Rob, for instance. But Rob's not even the old guard. He's 20 years younger than <laughs> yeah, so do you meet with um, really old guard? Yeah, at least one dinner at the national I'll have with guys I've known for forty plus years, like the founders of this company or that company. Well, they uh, weren't corporate guys it, back in the day. All the dealers and the promoters were just advanced collectors, as I was. In yeah. fact, I was the young guy back then. That's cool, so huh? I, there's a very short list of people that have been to every national, and I'm the yeah. youngest guy on that list. Yeah. Okay, so there is a club of these senior uh, collectors and hobbyists. That- There's no dues, but you just have to show up, Brian. It's no, I just I'm love the idea. Of, you know, well, no, you it's fine. With like a founder of like you know 
Don Russ or Upper Deck or hanging out with the foundations of PSA. Well, Chuck passed away, Brian. So, But again, I don't know that those were my best buddies that I hung with as much as the advanced collectors. Back in the 70s, before I was doing all this publishing and stuff, I was just a guy that loved cards and was had tables at the shows and traded and bought and sold. And I still see guys that I traded with 50 years ago. That's beautiful. That's cool. And we're still friends. But again, one of the reasons I started doing the podcast is because I do tributes to these mostly guys who passed away, who who, who get an obit that doesn't really tell who they really were. And I knew them when, they knew me when. That's been a lot of fun. And I can't tell a lot of jokes about it, but these were wonderful guys. But some of them got to be in their 70s, their 80s, their 90s even. Just nobody lives forever. Yeah, the old guard I regard as people older than me, Brian, and it's getting to be a shorter list. Bobby V, he's a young buck to me. Thanks, Brian. I expect to see the TV and movie stuff in five years or less. Matter of time. Thank you so very much. The man in 